Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' three-game series against the Kansas City Royals. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins dropped two of three at home against the visiting Kansas City Royals. And there was some interesting things happening across the border for the Brewers. Throw the ninth no-hitter in baseball this season. So I mention that, folks, because you're not going to hear Dan Thompson mention that, as he thinks it's just like any other baseball game. Hold on. No, this one I thought was actually pretty legit. It was as legitimate as a no-hitter can be. Though There's a couple curiosities about it that I wanted to bring up. So I'm glad you brought this up, David. Of course. We're just for you, right Dan. In. Just for so, you. I wanted to make sure people that realize that... No hitters don't matter in Dan so Thompson world. I, they kind of do. So this was pretty close. So Corbin Burns had 14 strikeouts and only one base runner on a walk. Credit him that. But a couple questions I have for you, David. A guy First, still reached, Dan. A walk is just like a hit. You I, shouldn't even oh, get credit. I, I know. I'm celebrating it in the way that I celebrated whichever <laughs> Twins player that was last week, right? What, what Joe Ryan did against, actually, ironically, the Indians last week, I would put that right in line with this. Right, the twins <laughs> pitchers combined to have one base runner. But here's my question to you: Corbin Burns is at 115 pitches, and since you are a person who believes in the merit of no hitters, yeah. would you have pulled him there, or would you have let him try to finish that game? Oh, let him try and finish, certainly. So, are you mad at Craig Council for his behavior, the manager of the Brewers, for pulling him after eight innings? It's a little bit tricky because the Brewers are still in it for the postseason. So, if they weren't, I would say 100% leave him in. Even in this instance, though, 115 pitches, like sometimes I don't think people realize that when they say like a pitcher has thrown 115 pitches, well, no, he's thrown a lot more pitches that day between warm ups and then the mm-hmm. warm ups in between innings. Sure. The thing is, one more inning, let him go out there and see what happens. If he gets hit, you know, whatever, that's fine. Then you can pull him. I think a 115 pitches just for that historic moment in my mind dan obviously not say, not in your yeah, mind I, not I, in not your in mind. mind yeah i do think that they should have let him uh, let him try and finish himself okay so but yeah, i will counter with this wade miley of the cincinnati reds he pitched one of the three no hitters against the indians this year earlier and he was not good for the next couple starts after that and part of the reason i would argue is that he, he threw a lot in that day to just to finish a, a mythically important event so your argument is that you shouldn't let a guy go over his typical pitch count because it will hinder his future start yes so i am all about craig council pulling mr burns there to bring in hater and they won and it was a combined no hitter good for them they won the game yeah i would argue that this sort of no hitter shouldn't be as celebrated because it's not one guy right like it's a Uh, different it's a different thing certainly mm -hmm. i think it's still super impressive but yes not nearly as impressive as a no hitter thrown by one one individual pitcher well, and we should say, you know, to our listeners, we are avoiding talking about this series, but I think we, we probably need to come back to the Twins here because the Twins lost two of three, as you said, to the Royals in royally annoying fashion. Let's just jump into the series recap. Series recap. Okay, well, terrible pun uh, right off the bat here, I'm Dan, sorry. I'm sorry. What am I? What else do I have here? You don't... I, I, you, yes, you don't have uh, much. So, Twins drop two of three. Game one is, is I would probably say, the most annoying of the two losses. Definitely. Would you agree? Yeah. So, totally. 
Twins lose this one six to four, and they lost in extras in the eleventh inning, and it was off a home run. And it's always it's always disappointing because with the extra innings rule in place, any home run is going to score two runs unless you manage to get the runner on second out somehow in some sort of weird circumstance. If this was just a traditional regular extra inning game, it would have been only one run, and then it, it just becomes way more doable for the Twins to at least score one run and keep the game going. But so this game, Dan, Twins had a lot of chances here, two for nine with runners in scoring position. Jacks did fine. Six innings pitched, four earned run. Again, if you're only going to give six innings, two I'm okay with. Three is probably too many, and four is just too much, Dan. Sorry, all I can think of was Goldilocks there, David, when you're talking <laughs> about like a perfect amount. And two is just right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he did he did eat up six innings, and and, and that was good. But I, I the most important part of this game to me was, uh, and I don't think we said the score. The Twins lost this six to four in the 11th inning, but they should have won this game in the bottom of the 10th, right? Yes. They hold, they hold the Royals scoreless in the top of the of the 10th and even Luis Arise walks so they have runners at first and second in the bottom of the 10th and then Buxton tries to bunt and pops it backwards and yeah. just maddening right and then the next two guys get out what what did you think <sighs> about that Buxton bunting there well it doesn't run with what Baldelli has done in the past right he has Correct. said about extra innings well I'm just gonna let the guys swing away all we got to do is get one hit out of three and he didn't do that and I don't understand why so I guess in some sense I'm, I'm annoyed with his inconsistency there because just let him hit especially when it's Buxton who's played well recently he'd played well he already had a home run in that game so yeah I would question that too maybe that's a Rocco's rewind moment but um I would I was frustrated what about you yeah I didn't love it it's tricky because I understand what what your thought process is there I'd say your chances of Buxton getting a hit are so solid it's not like that instance when Brent Rooker came up to the plate you know a few weeks ago where it's like yeah let's go ahead and bunt him over I think with Buxton even on an infield roller Buxton still has a chance to prevent a double play in that yes, circumstance. Exactly. That's exactly. why I'm thinking, let the guy swing here. I, that, yeah. So I, I'm in agreement with you here. I, I think it seemed out of the norm. And I think out of all the guys at the plate who have the potential to stay out of a double play, I think you let him swing away there. But anyway, so the Royals get two in the 11th uh, to take the lead. And then the Twins can't really do anything in the bottom of the 11th. Donaldson did have a three run home run earlier. The Twins did have a nice first inning answer to go back to the beginning of the game after the Royals took a three nothing lead. Yeah, this was silly to me because I'm watching the game and I actually have a couple of buddies over and here's the thing Dan I said this verbally I said this is what it looks like when you have two bad baseballs teams playing each other when a team can score three runs in the top of the first and you can answer with four runs in the bottom of the first it's like that is the quality of pitching that you have out on the mound for these two bottom dweller teams well, and a quick aside about Lynch. So this was, I think, his 11th or 12th start. The Twins had never faced him, which was just kind of one of those weird divisional things. You know, normally, I think Griffin Jacks has faced, it was one of the central teams. I mean, it was the White Sox. I mean, it was Ober, one of those guys. I mean, he's faced the White Sox like three or four times already. Yeah. So just kind of, a, I was just surprised to see that. Um, he didn't, Lynch didn't look great against the Twins. He was, it was basically, he matched Jack's line, six innings, yeah. four runs. Well, let's go. Game two was a nice moment, right, David? Game two was nice. Yeah, this one, the Twins just hit the ball and they kept, hitting the ball Dan so they had 12 hits in this game twins come away with this one nine to two and they really just seemed to keep the pedal down Dan they kept scoring runs even though they were up already which is always good to see Pineda gets the win which was also kind of a positive sort of mm-hmm. bright note to the series what did you think about this one Dan well so obviously the, the home run parade was nice it was nice to see Kepler get in on this but I think my favorite play in this game or maybe my favorite two was in the seventh inning so the twins are already up six to one 
it's nice to add insurance runs at that point, right? This yes. pedal to the metal kind of concept. Jake Cave comes up, gets a nice single, <laughs> kind of a looping single to knock in two runs of the bases yeah. loaded. Jake Cave staying relevant. And then Ben Brockett well, well, comes up. Maybe, maybe he's well, staying relevant. <laughs> But Ben Rortfitt comes up next. And did you see his single yes. up the middle? I, it, was, it was the most Ben Rortfitt hit. Oh, uh, my gosh. I mean, if, listeners, if you didn't see this, he dribbles that ball. I don't know how somebody doesn't get to that ball. It goes it, right up yeah. through the middle. <laughs> you needed both the second baseman and the shortstop to really not be paying much attention to what was happening for this to happen. Like, did they think that there's no way Ben Rorfett's going to put anything <laughs> in play? Like, that they're just kind of sitting there chewing the grass? Like, just waiting. That yeah. was hilarious to me. Uh. Um, so, you know, great for Ben to get a single, but man alive. I'm sure, I hope he was laughing at, at the ludicrousness of that hit. Maybe. I don't think so. When your batting average is 155, Dan, you don't really sneeze at any hit that you can get on your uh, stat sheet. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, um, two other things I wanted to note. So so Donaldson went Sano for five, just about. He uh, he did have four strikeouts, and I was I was a little annoyed that he didn't do the full Sano for five. Um, and then the other the other thing I wanted to point out was that the Twins had five home runs, and Miguel Sano had none of them. And that yeah. just to preview a bit. Puckett's picks, David. It was that kind of series for Miguel Sano. It was. All the more reason, Dan, once we get there, that I'm going to accuse you of throwing this game in order that the <laughs> listeners have a chance to take away my season victory. Anything else from you on game two? I kind of dominated that one. Sorry. No, you did. I mean, you were very animated about it. I appreciated it. I think it's just one of those things where I was so happy with the win and just the way that they did it. I just didn't really have too many highlights other than it's fun to look at the box score and see all the all the runs that they put up. Uh, well, and then there was game three Sunday, David. Yeah, this one w- wasn't quite as annoying as game one but it kind of felt that way so twins lose this one five to three seemed like the offense never really could connect in the order in which they needed to right so they went one for eight with with uh, runners in scoring position Sano grounded into a double play and you were yes you're likely uh, going to hear more about Sano later here but we will six guys left on base Five alone by Sano. So, you know, individually, five guys left on base for Sano. But it's just one of those things, Dan, where when you're playing a team like Kansas City Royals and you're looking to next season and you're trying to determine whether or not you're going to be competitive and you are playing the Royals, Dan, the Royals, and they put a guy who's got a 5.00 ERA on the mound and you can't get any offensive production, how are fans going to have any sort of confidence going into 2022 knowing that we don't have a rotation, first of all, and now you can't get the offense off the ground against the Royals? I know. Well, and I thought about that because in game two, literally, I'm thinking man, I love this lineup. If they could only get some starting pitching. And then you're reminded that this lineup doesn't always hit like this. I mean, I was disappointed, especially in Arise and Sano, because Arise is batting third, Sano's batting fifth, and they combined to go 0 for 7. Uh, Arise did bring in one run, but but the three strikeouts by Sano in some key situations. Brent Rooker actually had the one clutch hit of the game yeah. to get that single down down the left field line. I I don't know. I'm just kind of at a loss. Another, a win, another winnable game. We could be talking about a sweep here, which is two clutch hits. 100% agree with that statement that it did seem like a series that had things just bounced a little bit differently the twins could have come away with the series sweep last series they did a combination start between Ober and Pineda so Ober Mm -hmm. started the game and then Pineda came in and now they each got their own game which I thought was interesting I thought that they were maybe going to stick with this as the season progressed but here Pineda started and then Ober started the next day Ober went four and a third and I think that's about where they're going to cut him off I mean assuming he's not just 
cruising through the lineup, but he hit that 75 pitch mark and they decided to pull him. I'm a little surprised even that Bailey Ober is still pitching. For as concerned yeah. as they've been about him, I, I think that's I think that speaks to the fact that they've had such trouble just having warm bodies to start games. But yes. I because there is a sense with Bailey Ober, if they're truly concerned about his inning count for next season, I think there's a lot of logic in shutting him down now. Yeah. Um and just and just saying, hey, we're not gonna mess with you. Yeah, I, I just want to say with the record, so the Twins remained in last place in the Central. They're 63 and 80. The Royals are 65 and 78. I was hoping they were going to pass them in the series. Didn't happen. No, it didn't. And now that they're going to go up against the Indians, Dan, they would have had a chance to cut into that Indians lead, Dan. I'm still convinced they can make a run here, Dan, and take second place in the Central when it's all said and done. Let's hope so. All right, well, let's go to Puckett's picks. Touch them all, Kirby Puckett! Puckett's picks winner. Ugh, Dan. Okay, so here's the deal. You can be disgusted with your performance from Sano, but I am more frustrated. So here's the deal, folks. So I just needed a victory in order to clinch my season win. And Dan, I, I'm convinced in an effort to ensure that he takes himself out of the running, took Sano in order to give the listeners an opportunity to potentially steal my victory, but they, they have to win out for that to be the case. The listeners took Buxton. I took Polanco. Buxton had 14 points and Polanco had 13. Just so a little inside baseball here on the podcast here, folks. <laughs> Typically, one of us does the Puckett's Picks scoring and then if there's a question or if the scores are close the other guy will audit said math so so dan did the first couple of games and then i went in and entered game three and i thought that buxton and polanco were tied at 13 and they each had two home runs but buxton had two strikeouts and polanco only had one so i thought i had come away with the victory and then dan came in with a smug grin waving his finger in his ugly grin i just i thought we better check the hit by pitch it was more jim from the office mug so then dan waving his finger says no 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 david no 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 buxton got hit by a pitch which is i'm starting to think we should adapt this rule that you don't get a point it's not even in the traditional box score dan i know but for next year we can look into that but as it stands now a rule's a rule david oh this is terrible so anyway the listeners come away with the victory dan can you give them the season standings well this is reminding me of kind of the yankees collapse against the red Sox <laughs> what, in, what are you in talking the, about in the alcs a few years ago <laughs> Because I'm not sure you're going to hang on to this anymore. Oh. Because now we look at the standings, David, and you are at 19 wins. The listeners are at 14 wins, and I am at 12. I'm safely out. I've been eliminated here. But listeners, keep on going here. See if you can catch David. Not going to happen. This is just not going to happen. Dan. Let's uh, let's keep going here. Beast versus bench. Is losing fun? Is losing fun? I do. I should double back and say Sano had negative six points there, David. So, but <laughs> I anyway, think we, I didn't think we needed to talk about it. We we're going to talk enough, about Sano enough right now. Enough of that. Um, so, Beast versus Bench. I went with Buxton. I am mad at him about the tenth inning and not dropping down that bunt. But I'm going to blame Rocco a little bit for that too, uh, for even making him bunt in the first place. Buxton was great. He had a couple home runs in the series. He had some towering home runs in the series. Yeah. Um, Longest of the, his career. I know. This is the kind of bucks that I love. I love the saunter. I love watching him run around the bases. Um, and it was fun. He was a difference maker in the, in this series. Well, enjoy it while it lasts, Dan, because when he gets traded in the offseason, it's going to be sad to see him on another team. Why do you... It's like... <laughs> You know, it's like you're saying that you don't like one of my children or something when you say these things. So you're not going to go with Buxton, I assume. 
No, I'm, I'm going to go with Polanco. I don't have a problem with you picking Buxton by any stretch. I think that Polanco had a good series. You know, it was hard in game three because he didn't really play. He just came in and he struck out, which is is annoying on a couple of fronts. <laughs> one, it was annoying that he struck out, and two, it was annoying that that's basically what secured the pucket pick loss for me here. But Polanco continues to be a solid player for this team. Superstar quality, I'd say, in the last probably six weeks or so. Mm-hmm. I hope he can continue this through the end of the season. I think that Buxton is a good pick as well i don't know i'm okay with both of these picks here i'm not going to criticize you dan who do you got on your bench well this i don't think we're going to criticize each other on this too much i'm going to go with miguel sano it was just and especially we've talked about our bias with puckets picks man when your puckets pick guy fails which mine has had he's done that often often yes i have a lot of negative scores in puckets picks because of the of, of so many key moments where he failed to execute even the baseline competency of hitting a sacrifice fly or i guess he didn't ground to do a double play every time he came up in the key situations but I was expecting more out of him um, I, sometimes guys have bad series I get that we'll see what he if he rebounds next series yeah I agree I put Sano on my bench as well I, I toyed with the idea of putting a rise on the bench he had a very quiet series I wondered and, about and, that too Yeah, and a couple of places Dan where he had big at bats that he did not come through kind of uncharacteristically I'd say I think he tends to be a guy who has ice in his veins and it, the moment never seems too big for him but at the same time Dan there were a couple of times in this series where a rise really dropped the ball but I am going to give it to to know because as you said his performance was absolutely abysmal it's a little frustrating because we talked about this last episode about how it kind of seemed like Sano is becoming a more well-rounded hitter mm-hmm. and that we think that this is sort of what we can expect to see from him the rest of the season and hopefully into next I just hope that he's not having any regression here and sort of becoming the Miguel Sano from the beginning of the season I know and and you kind of alluded to this earlier these are the teams that he should be racking up big hits against yes right? these are bad teams I'm okay in some sense if he struggles against good teams because that happens, right? I mean, good yes. pitchers generally can do very well against good hitters, but he's doing it against the Royals. Come on, get a hit. No hits yes. in the series. Yeah, that's rough. And a lot of strikeouts. I mean, oh, yeah, no. uh, I mean <laughs> it's too many. Anyway, let's uh, keep pushing here, Dan. Rocco's Rewind. Rocco's Rewind. I, I kind of have criticized him earlier about the 10th inning. I'm going to talk just about kind of two other things. So quickly, a quick praise. I think rotating the DH right now has worked really well. Now that Donaldson is able to play the field again, it's nice that they're rotating guys through and having different opportunities like that. In game three, though, I'm, I'm not sure I loved bringing in Giovanni Moran when he did for his debut um, because the game was still within reach in this situation. Moran didn't give up any runs. I mean, it was a little bit rough. He put four guys on base. I just, if you're going to give a guy a debut, let's let's do it in a little bit of a lower leverage situation where you're, you're not trying to win a series here. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know how much I care necessarily about the order in which the bullpen guys are used in a game that is truly meaningless for the season. Well, it is. But I mean, the fact that they had guys like, you know, you've got Duffy, you've got Colome. I believe Manaya had, had only pitched in game one. He was still available. I just would have liked to see some of those other season guys to try to win the game. But you're shaking your head like that doesn't matter. You have talked about uh, you play to win the game in front of you before. And now you're now you're not. With well, me. I, I think in this regard, when you're trying to get guys out there just to see what they have. I think Rocco probably has a list and says, if there's an opportunity for this guy to come in, I'm going to bring him in. And I don't know how much the situation really matters, especially that early in the game. I think it's fine to bring him in to debut then, especially the Twins just want to get a look at these guys and see what they have for potentially next season. I didn't have as much of a problem with it. I hear what you're saying. And granted, sure. this, this wouldn't have happened, right? Like if, if the Twins were in, 
any sort of position to to take a division lead or something like that. But mm-hmm. in this instance, I don't know. It's not like yes, it was a close game, but it wasn't like super. Oh my goodness, we have to win. Let's see who we let's use our best guys. All right, fair enough. What do you got? Yeah, so I'm going to say in game one, Colome was given the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. He only pitched twelve pitches, Dan. Like, have him come out for the 10th. I don't understand why you wouldn't. 12 Well, but pitches? remember, last week he threw like 150 pitches in four days. So All the more gotta... reason that he can throw more than 12 pitches in this outing, Dan. No, because then because then you're extending him because what game? This is game one of this, right? He had yeah. just come off of pitching what ultimately four of the last six games. I would have, I was happy to be careful with him there. No, twelve pitches. He can go throw eight more pitches and see if he can get some outs. No problem. I'd rather have him on the mound than Manaya, and Manaya hasn't been bad this season by any stretch. But I think twelve pitches, Kalame kind of proving himself to be the guy. Let him get out there for another inning. Ah, uh, you're picking nits. Wow, I think, look at as the okay. phrase would go. As opposed to you who just made fun of him for bringing in a guy because you didn't think the feeling was quite right for an MLB debut. That's not the feeling. It was the situation, David. The situation was was patently not the right moment. Wow. Okay. Well, this is probably the most uh, disagreeable we've been as far as Rocco's Rewind is concerned, Dan. All right. Let's go to Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. I'm going to start off here because it's in the 10th inning, actually, that I just spoke about. Mm -hmm. I thought that Polanco's play in the top of the 10th to keep the Royals off the scoreboard here. Polanco ranging to his right made a great underhand throw to first. It was a great play. It looked like a play a shortstop would make, Dan. little foreshadowing here. Foreshadowing for Jorge Polanco starting shortstop 2022 for the Twins. I I wondered if you were going to notice that. Yeah. Um, That was a a heck of a play. I I had trouble picking this because there were a few... You know, I thought about Buxton's game one home run, the big towering hit, Rooker's RBI in game three. I'm going to go with the bottom of the first in game one. Fair enough. Um, You know, when they answered with those four, because I think it showed, first of all, the potential of this lineup, but just that boom bust nature that we saw in this series, you know, that was, that was four of their, that was their only runs of that game. All of a sudden, I mean, literally the four first base runners of the entire series scored, and then they got nothing else the rest of that game. So it kind of signified the potential in the disappointment that I felt about this series. Yes, I think that's, yeah, it's a good moment, certainly. I thought you were going to say Rortvet single is what I thought <laughs> you were going to say. Uh, I talked about that enough. But, yeah. You know, hopefully Ben's going to give us another home run here before the end. All right, let's go on here, Dan. Mauer's Musings. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. I'm intrigued by yours, David. How about you go? You go, you start. You know, we've, we've talked about whether the Twins are going to sign a shortstop or whether they need to sign a catcher. I mean, certainly they need to sign pitching. So here's my question, Dan. Really, what I just said, Polanco moving to short, the only way that really works is if Luis Arise is either going to fill in at third or second most of the time. But there is another guy on this roster, Dan, currently who could fill one of those positions. So my question to you, Dan, is based on what we've seen thus far, could Nick Gordon be a starter in the MLB, specifically for the Twins next season? I think he could. So he is only hitting 238. But keep in mind what this guy's been doing. He's been playing in the outfield where he's really not played like at all through his minor league career. He has come up with some key hits. He has looked good hitting the ball. I get that he's he's young. I think it matters in the sense that he comes from a family of major league baseball players who are established. I think I think he understands what it takes to succeed at the major league level. I think he's going to get there. I would be comfortable with him being the starting shortstop in this lineup next year simply because you don't have that many pieces that you need to place in the lineup right now yeah we'll we'll see what happens i'm curious i think i'm not okay with it i'd prefer him to be a utility guy right now because i think truly if this team is going to be competitive next year this offense needs to be one of the best in the league and i think the way that you ensure that that takes place is by signing a powerhouse shortstop who can hit the ball yeah i mean i'm just looking through these names right now so let's assume that you are going to need at least career 
career average seasons, which I think we've gotten out of a few guys. Donaldson's about been on that. I think Arise, I think this is what we're looking at. Sano, hopefully. Yeah, I guess I could see, I mean, if, if they could be a top five offense instead of a top 10, uh, a shortstop could make a big difference. That's a spot where they can they can slot somebody in. And like you've talked yeah. about before, there's a lot of available free agents. Correct. So what do you have here for Mauer's Musings, Dan? I'll look at the pitchers and we, and we keep asking questions about that starting rotation. Does Michael Pineda have like a top two slot in this rotation next year? I know he's not signed, but are they going to sign him for how much? What do you think? You know, we keep talking about this and at the trade deadline, originally my perspective was once he w- moved to the IL, I thought that was why the Twins didn't trade him. And then I started to think, well, no, maybe it's because they're just planning to keep him here anyway. But again, I still don't understand why you wouldn't try and get something for him and then re-sign him after the fact. So I'm still starting to lean, Dan, that I think the Twins didn't trade him because they didn't think that he would pass a physical. I think that the Twins will make him an offer. And frankly, if you're Michael Pineda, I think you take just about anything they put on the table. I I think you're comfortable here if you like the staff, I think certainly, because I don't know how much you're going to get on the open market as a guy who in most rotations at this point is going to be a four or five guy in, in teams that are like, like have adequate pitching. Well, but that's what I mean. Wouldn't he rather be potentially a four or a five guy on a competitive team? I, knowing that the Twins are going to need to do a lot more to build a competitive team around him? Maybe. I guess I don't really know what the mindset is here. Yes, it's it's weird with Pineda, just the way that the season has gone since the trade deadline. I'm not convinced, as I once was, that the Twins are certainly going to keep him here. I do think they will likely extend an offer, though. Sure. I, I hope that they keep him around because I think he's proven to be a good three, four, or five guy for this team. And I'm okay with that. I, I want some stability from this starting pitching staff right now. And if, if they have him and they have Ober and, and they have Joe Ryan, at least, that's something you can build an, a rotation around. Yeah, I suppose. I guess my thought is that Pineda is not exactly what I would call durable. I mean, he has been on sure. the I.L. a lot uh, with his time in the Twins. In fact, when they first signed him, he didn't even pitch the whole first year they signed him because of Tom and John. Right. It's all about the potential there. All right. Well, let's ugh, let's grade it. <laughs> series grades you you even went lower than me here yeah i went uh with the old d minus you got the one victory but just the way you should have been able to piece it together in game one or game three there should have been a way for you to score the runs that you needed to score i'm gonna give them a d minus here losing two of three to the royals at home in the fashion that they did dan this was some ugly baseball yeah negligibly different is my d um because they won the game pineda looked pretty good the bullpen had its its struggles but it, it still didn't it, it didn't ever get blown up i just had trouble giving them a failing grade when they did at least win that one game and they had some pretty good starting pitching i suppose here well with that said here dan uh, let's go puckett's picks here for the upcoming indian series and we'll see you puckett's picks yeah, so the listeners are going to take Polanco, a wise choice. I think it's hard to argue with them. Yes. Uh, do I get to pick first then? You do, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I'll take Buxton. I think uh, that's pretty clear. But that leaves that leaves some enticing options for you. One of your favorites, right? Two of your favorites. Three of your favorites. They're all there. They're all there, and I am going to take Josh Donaldson. I think that yeah. he's going to he's gonna have a bounce-back series here. And I, this will encompass four games, actually, because it will be three Indians games, including one doubleheader and a away game at Yankee State which is super fun so it's a one o'clock start on monday uh for the yankee game which just makes no sense dan again you need to email him dan tell him that you're available to help them with these scheduling woes i know well let's uh let's push forward here dan we got herbie's headline we do have something to talk about this time around so my brother actually who's not a big baseball guy though he uh he sent me an article talking about so there's this new phenomenon dan happening when a when a team has a two-run lead in extra innings and there's a runner that gets to start on second because of the stupid rule 
rule that the MLB has put in place, there's been sort of this rash of intentional blocks where mm-hmm. they will intentionally move the runner over to third in order to prevent sign stealing, which obviously has been at the front of a lot of people's minds since the Astros scandal broke a couple of years back. But I just think it's so odd, Dan, but it, it, it's a very specific circumstance. I get it. But if you get to do an intentional block, wouldn't you do something funny, Dan? Like do the chicken dance or the macarena or something. But these guys are just like making an awkward step off and pretending to throw. And it's like, come on, guys. Let's. I get it. I get that you're professionals. But in this weird circumstance where you're, your only goal is to advance the runner because you did something improper on the mound, do something different than stepping the wrong direction. Come on that's, now. That's, I had not thought about it that way, David, but I love that take. Yeah. Right? That would be... <laughs> Nelson Cruz would have fun with it, right? We, we've yeah. seen him have fun with situations. Yes, have fun with the situation. What would Bartolo Colon do if he were yeah. out there, I wonder? <laughs> I bet he would have fun with it. I'm, um, yeah, I'm certain he would. The question would be to get him back on the mound to pitch, Dan. He'd probably be taking his shirt off and waving <laughs> it around, and it would be a whole process. There's a, there's a fine line between a balk and an ejection, I think, sometimes <laughs> with Bartolo Colon. Maybe that's the concern that these pitchers <laughs> have here, Dan. So what I, I see you have something in the notes here you wanted to discuss. Yes, okay, so show. Shohei Otani, he obviously, he hits for himself in in some situations when he's pitching. And this made me, I had to look this rule up because my assumption here was that the rule actually encompassed, you could have a DH for anybody, but people just happen to do it for the pitcher because it's assumed that the pitcher is the worst hitter on the team. But it is codified that you can only DH for your pitcher. And I think that that's silly because there's a lot of times when a guy like Ben Rortfit, for example, is in the lineup at 155. Are you telling me that there's not a pitcher out there who can bat better than Ben Rortfit? Well, you just mentioned him, Dan. <laughs> Bartolo Colon, is that uh, <laughs> Yes, that's who, I was, that's who I was referencing here. No, I hear what you're saying, but at the same point, like I think that there's enough guys, especially on the NL side, who hate the idea of a DH so much to extend it beyond just the pitcher. One, their minds would explode. But two, I truly don't think that that's a wise thing. Why not? Like, but Shohei, I, like, why, wouldn't it be great for the Angels right now if Shohei could bat and then they could DH for, I don't know what their lineup looks like, but somebody can't be batting as good as Shohei. Well, yes. No, I understand what you're saying. I'm not I'm not arguing with the logic of the strategy of using a DH for Ben Rortvet or for okay, Andrelton Simmons. Enough. That's not really the question here. I just think that extending the rules, I think that's overstepping what that position was meant to do because it's meant mm-hmm. to take the place of a person who's only on the field once every five games. And so as soon as you start making the rule that, well, no, you can really DH for anybody. I think that that's just like, well, then that guy, if you're really DHing for a position player, he should not be in the MLB, Dan. Well, this is why we disagree agree david i think you know we've had a lot of good fruitful disagreement for this episode yes yeah a lot of things that that really don't matter and yet we still uh, seem to want to die on that hill dan did we talk about the twins in this series i feel like i wanted to talk about other teams more than the twins uh, well i think yes to be fair though the twins have kept it interesting enough that most of these recaps have, have kept our interest but this one was a rough one to really keep uh, keep on track well hopefully we've gathered at least some listeners in milwaukee since we're talking about them all right yeah. I'll, I'll send us out here david folks if you like what you hear please do tell a friend you can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win. You can find our Men for the Win Facebook page as well. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast so that you're notified when new episodes are available. And if you could leave us a rating, that would be great. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Twins.